Morning. You want to open up to Titus? I'll start just by giving an overview, kind of give the context, since Titus is only 46 verses-ish, um, something like that. I'll just go ahead and kind of give an overview of where we are in the book and the overview. We talked about how, unlike other books of the Bible, which, like Romans, is broken up into theology and then application, um, half and half, basically, Titus is a little different where Paul is writing to Titus, and in every chapter he gives uh, some application, uh, how to obey God, and then he grounds it in the gospel and who God is. And he does that over and over throughout the book. And so we talked about how we could summarize the entire book of Titus with just a few words, God and the gospel, or doctrine, and then obedience. And how does that work its way out into our life? The first chapter is about the church. How does that work out in the church? What does that look like? Uh, What should the church do? How should the church look? The second chapter is individuals in our own lives. How does that look? How does it work out where we are? The roles God has put in put us in the third chapter how does that work its way out in terms of how we relate to the outside world unbelievers governments things like that so we're in chapter two right now and just because we've been in chapter two for a little while i'll just kind of remind you the first message we did in titus two was just going over the ground of all these commands which is christ and what he's done he's the motive The reason we want to be holy, just like Andy said, is because of what Christ has done for us and in us. And he's also the means. He's the power that he's the one that gives us the power to be holy through his spirit. And so that's the reason we can fulfill any of these commands. And also, um, we're thankful, of course, that none of us perfectly fulfilled all these. And that's only in Christ. And so we're leaning on him um, to be our righteousness. So... We talked about men, uh, we did about three messages on that, and now then we did a message on men and women last week being different. Men and women have different roles, equal value. And so now today we're just going to start going through the list uh, where it's of commands here to women, and just thought I would start with a couple encouragements for the women, but let's, let's read the um, grounding part. Uh, Actually, let's read it in chapter 2 and chapter 3 because they kind of dovetail pretty well. And then we'll start going through the list. So let's start um, at the end of verse 10 in chapter 2 of Titus. So he kind of concludes this section of commands. um, So that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. That's specifically about servants and slaves, but... That kind of summarizes well the whole section. Verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Let's jump into a little bit into chapter 3 because it dovetails well, uh, well there. 
let's see here. Where should we start? Let's start um, in verse 4 here. Chapter 3, verse 4. When the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Okay. So... A couple of encouragements before we get into the commands, which we'll go back um, and read here. A couple of encouragements, this specifically as we get ready to talk about women specifically here in Titus, but it applies to all Christians. A couple of encouragements here. The first is just simply this, that we don't have to try and follow these in our own strength. Um, and we don't have to try and follow them perfectly. That word in chapter 2 and then kind of fleshed out as we read in chapter 3, grace is a big word. We're saved by grace. We're not saved by working all these things out and being good enough. We're saved by grace. It's a free gift. We fall short, and Jesus Christ covers us by his blood, not because of works done by us in righteousness, um, but according to his mercy. And so we can be thankful for that. That's one encouragement. Another encouragement is, just as we read through these, it's an encouragement that this is a short list that what it means to be a father, a mother, younger man, younger woman, it's just a few verses here. I mean, imagine if this was like Leviticus. Each one of these could have been as long as Leviticus and had 600 rules, you know. Um, but it's not. It's just a couple verses here. Um, what it means to honor God where you are is not necessarily easy, but it's simple. And we're thankful for that. Um, I'm thankful that the Lord's there. He's going to help us. And he's also given us everything we need for life and godliness. And in many ways, it's just a few simple things, um, which is helpful. I don't know. At least for me, I can't keep 600 things in my mind all at once. But a few things, maybe five to six things, love, faith, endurance, a, a steadfastness. Um, some of these short lists is a blessing. <laughs> so we can be thankful um, in those ways. Well, let's start here with uh, the specific commands here to women. It starts in verse 3. Older women likewise. So let's stop right there. We talked about how every Christian, the few verses before that, um, is to walk in love and faith and endurance. And so overarching, if we're not sure what to do in any situation, we can know that we're supposed to walk in love. We're supposed to walk in faith towards God. And we're supposed to walk um, in endurance, which means love and faith every day over and over and over and over. Do those things um, over and over and over. So uh, looking back, I think that's what the likewise is talking about. Older women, this is verse 3, are li likewise are to be reverent in behavior. Okay, so this is the first command specifically to women. I'm going to pause right here and just tell you this. Um, the plan today is I'm going to go as far as I can and... Uh, I think this could either be one really long message or two shorter messages. So I think I'll just split up into two. And since we're kind of going through a list and it's kind of, I'm going to cut it in half, it's probably going to feel a little bit like um, a kind of a shotgun approach, basically because it is. We're just going to hit this first thing it says, then the second thing it says, and the third th thing it says, 
and uh, we'll get through a couple and then we'll probably pause and come back next week and finish it up. So just so you know where we're going and um, there's going to be a lot of thoughts, but hopefully one will stick with you and help you. So, All right. Reverent in behavior. Reverent in behavior. Well, it's nice because Andy kind of gave us a good introduction here because this this is a word that's actually only used once in the whole New Testament, but it can be summarized like this. Behavior fitting for those who are holy. Behavior fitting for those who are holy. And so Andy just kind of gave us a great little mini message here on holiness and why we should be holy as all all Christians, not just women, but everyone should strive for holiness because of what Christ has done, because of who God is, because we're God's temple, um, and he's going to help us. That's an encouragement. Um, you know, the other thing you could say about this specific command is that all the things that come after it can kind of come under this. Holiness could cover this whole list. You know, it's going to talk about not being slaves to much wine and things like that. Well, that falls under holiness, doesn't it? We want to honor the Lord and who we are. We want to imitate the God and his holiness. We want to be pure, uh, be holy as he is holy. And so rather than repeating a lot what Andy said, I, I could just say, listen to Andy. <laughs> and um, let's go on to the, to the next one. Um, not slanderers. Not slanderers. Surely this definitely falls under holiness. But I think we should talk here about, specifically take a few moments to talk about our words and how those can honor God or not. Um, this comes up over and over. Paul brings this up quite a few times in terms of women in First Timothy. Again, he brings this up, he says, in First Timothy 3, that wives, likewise, should be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. So that idea of not being a slanderer comes up again. And this particular verse is about wives, which might be younger and older women there in First Timothy. Here in Titus, it's with the older women. But let's think about this. We want to honor God with our words. We want to honor God with what we say and how we talk to one another. It's a big deal that God values and considers and notices our words. And he directs us in how he wants to us to talk about one another to one another. And so... First off, I just want to, I think, talk about what is slander, and I'll give you a couple of verses from the rest of the Bible to kind of frame it in, and then just some thoughts on how to guard our, guard our tongue in this area. So in Psalms it says, whoever slanders his neighbor, whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy, that's God. Whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I will not endure. So... First, just notice that this really matters to God. God speaks very strongly about how we talk about one another. Uh, that's quite a verse. Whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy. So one thing you know, we can notice from that is how much it matters to God. It really matters to God. Proverbs 10 says this, The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, but whoever utters slander is a fool. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. So here God says that slandering, if we slander, then we're fools. And he also says, um, he also says that where words are many, transgression is not lacking. 
And so I want you to notice there in both those it talks about concealing or secret. So that's one thing that might be a red flag in this area of slander. And it's asking yourself, is this something that's secret or I'm concealing? Is this something that I'm se- that's secret or I'm concealing? Just think about it this way. Um, in terms of slander, a first thought on slander, and we could really put gossip into this as well um, because there's a lot of overlap between gossip and slander. So let's talk about them both while we're here because they're so closely related. But let's commit to not say anything negative about anyone unless we've talked to them already first. Think about that. What if we just committed to talk to the person before we say anything to anyone else? That would be, that's not a command from Scripture. You know, there might be a situation where you might talk to your husband or your wife. I'm concerned about this. You know, is it something worth talking about or not? Or is it something to let go? You know, love covers a multitude of sins. Sins, so there's lots of things we just let go, uh, or it might be something you talk to the elders about. I'm concerned about this. You know, is it something you think I should bring up or not? So there might be a situation like that. But in general, we could walk conf- with confidence if we could say um, to everyone, anything that I feel like is a problem, I'll talk to you first. That would be a wonderful thing, just to know. Um, one to another, that's how we're going to treat one another. And it involves some courage, doesn't it? It involves you actually going to that person, and that's kind of scary, and bringing up something negative. That's a, that's a scary thing. But think about this. Isn't it more scary than some of these other verses? Whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy. <laughs> that's kind of scary. <laughs> it's very scary. It's much more scary than just going to somebody and saying, even just, you could say, I could be wrong about this, but I'm concerned about this. And, and here's my thoughts, and I, I want you to pray about it and think about it. Uh, what do you think about that? That takes some courage, but it matters to God. And I would say, be courageous, you know. Pray about it, think about it, and commit to do that. Um, really, what we're basically saying is, another way to say the same thing would be, complain up. I think I've talked about this before. Complain up. If something's wrong and something's bother you, complain in the right direction. One, to God. Talk to God about it. Pray about it. But two, talk to the person that, um, that could change it. So if this is your job, it could be simply talking to your coworker and then talking to the boss. But committing not to um, complain sideways to your coworkers. Because if there's a real problem, your boss can solve it. Well, one, God can solve it. Two, your boss could solve it because it's their responsibility. And then three... Um, it's not really your responsibility to complain to your coworkers um, because that's not going to do anything. You talk to the person directly, you talk to the person above them, responsible, um, and just leave it there. That would that'd be a protection from slander. Really, God lays out this pattern in Matthew 18. He says, if you're, somebody sins against you, this is particularly sinning against you, but I think we could talk about it just sinning in general. Where does God want us to go if we feel like somebody's sinning? He wants us to go to the person and talk to them. And so that's one thing that can protect us from slander. Go to the person. Um, complain in the right direction. Um, don't complain to others unrelated, not, not involved. 
go right to the person. Have courage. The other thing I want to say about that is to not slander, it takes courage, but also, uh, I want to read this verse from Proverbs, do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. It might be hard. You might say, I've got a concern, I want to talk to somebody about it, and it might not go well. But the Bible says that a wise man will love you, that a person that's leaning into the Lord will actually be thankful. Thank you. I'm going to pray about this. I'm going to, I'm going to think about this. And they're thankful that you came to them. They're thankful that they can pray about it. Much rather it be in the open than in secret. Um, and so have courage. It might be hard. But on the other hand, you may forge a friendship. You may, that person may come back to you. It might not be right that day, but it might be a month later, a week later, six months later. Thank you for bringing that up. I've really thought about that. And that's the way we want to be towards one another. If we all commit to try to really take these things seriously and to respond in love, not in defensiveness, then this is something that uh, I think we can commit to do towards one another. Now the last one, kind of little tip or thought that I have in terms of this idea of gossip and slander is somewhat related to both, but the way I, the way that I'm going to define gossip, I'll tell you my definition. This is not from the Bible. This is the best that I could do uh, to understand what gossip is. The Bible does not give a definition for gossip. It just says gossip. Don't gossip. It doesn't say, and gossip is A, B, C, D, or E. It, it doesn't give an exhaustive de- definition. So we have to do our best. We have our conscience, um, but we also do our best to, to not gossip. And here's what I use for my definition of gossip. My definition for gossip, um, one that I feel like is the best, is if you're not a part, if the person is not a part of the problem or the solution, then I would call it gossip. Uh, that's the rule I use. Um, so I'll talk to the person, or I could bring somebody in. This covers Matthew 18. If I have to bring somebody else in, they're a part of the solution, right? So you bring, you go to one, per, you go to the person, you talk to them. And if that doesn't work, then you bring two, you bring three. And so those people, that's not gossip because they're part of the solution. In some cases, we bring it to the whole church. The reason that's not gossip is we're all a part of the solution, um, which is what church discipline is, is saying, like, you're off. We all want you to come back this direction. Please, please do, you know. Um, and so that's why it's not gossip there. So that's the, that's the definition I would use that would protect us here from gossip and slander. Um, it seems really important. Um, this isn't easy. I'm not saying this is easy. There's times where you think and you pray and you consider before you say something, is this right or wrong? And if you're not sure, we can just hold our tongue. We can do our best and just say, I don't think I'm going to say that. Um, this takes a lot of wisdom. It takes the spirit. We can pray and God will help us here. Really that, one thing that that definition encompasses is really just not talking about situations we don't really know what's going on. Um, that, that's a protection. Proverbs gives this principle, not directly calling it gossip, but it says in Proverbs 18, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and his shame. You know, the reason I bring this up is I actually had a conversation uh, 
with a person which I'm not going to tell you who it was, <laughs> um, obviously. But about this whole thing, it's like, is this gossip? You know, is this, should you be repeating this? And they said, as long as I say allegedly, I can tell whoever I want. So basically, I can say if, you know, I have no idea what's going on, but if I say this, you know, so-and-so is doing this bad thing, I don't know any of the details, but it's allegedly, they're allegedly doing it. Meaning I'm not 100% sure, but I'll, I can tell everyone I want about it. Which I would say, that's not a good definition for gossip. Uh, you can't just say allegedly and talk about whatever you want to talk about. Um, it's, it takes wisdom. You've got to really think these things through. You've got to pray. And you, we need accountability. I mean, there's times when it's, it's hard. It's like, I'm not sure here. This is difficult. Where's the line of discretion? And where's the line of something that needs to be brought out into the light? It's hard. But I'm just trying to give you some guidelines, things to consider from the Bible, and to really think about these things. Um, I want just you to notice here that Paul's giving this command to this church because obviously this is a problem. And um, we don't want to we don't want to try and honor God and and leave any area unturned, you know? We don't want to be really gonna go in one area and say, but eh, God's not really concerned about this very much. That's we want to be serious about the Bible, and this is part of it is God really cares about how we talk about one another. And, you know, the other rule that you might have that you could put over all this is what Jesus said about treating your neighbor as yourself. If something was going on, how would you want someone to handle it with you? Um, I think mostly you'd want people to come right, right to you. You'd want to talk through it. You'd want people to respond uh, with humility and thoughtfulness and patience um, and so let's commit to do that to one another. Let's commit to not slander. It's really important. It's important to God, and therefore we want to, it's important to us. So I'm just going to summarize. It's a lot of thoughts, but I'm going to summarize for you basically what we said. First, let's just commit to go right to the person if we can. Um, there might be a situation where you talk to someone else, your wife or, or the elders, but in general, we want to be able to say to everybody, anything that I'm concerned about, I've said it to you. Um, first would be best, and I've talked to you about it. And you know where I stand. Um, that's, a, that's a, the first thing. Second thing is have courage. It takes courage. It's going to take courage, but let's be courageous and let's talk to the person because it's better to talk to them and that's a difficult situation than to be accountable to God. Um, I like the quote from Thomas Watson, a sea of suffering is better than a drop of sin. And we want that to be the case in our life. A sea of suffering is better than a drop of sin. It might be hard, it might be difficult, but be courageous. Um, let's follow Matthew 18 as best we can. Complain up. Uh, at your work, um, or, you know wherever this, wherever this might happen, or this you might be tempted. And then we want to not talk about situations we don't know. If the person that's not, if a person's not a part of the problem or the solution, in general, I would say that's a good rule to to not talk to them, not talk, not talk to that person, and then that would keep us as best we can from slander, from gossip. 
and we want to honor God in this way. So that's kind of like a mini message in itself. <laughs> but I'm going to keep going a couple more, and then we'll kind of quit here, and then we'll come back next week and finish up this list. So here we are. That was verse 3. Older women, likewise, chapter 2, verse 3, are to be reverent in behavior. That's holy. Not slanderers. Okay, we covered that. Or slaves to much wine. Slaves to much wine. So we had actually a whole message on self-control. And this is just one specific area, not slaves to much wine. And remember, just kind of as a review, when we talked about self-control, we don't want to be slaves to anything. We don't want to be slaves to wine. We don't want to be slaves to food. We don't want to be slaves to um, good books. You know, We don't want any area in our life to be where we're out of control. It's not self-control. I'm not in control anymore. My desires are in control, and they run my life in any area. So whatever that looks like, wherever that is, um, maybe that's even just sleep or could be laziness, you know, things like that where you have a desire and it starts to take over your life, um, take over other areas of life. You're not in control anymore. It's in control of you. It's running, it's running your life. And so in here specifically, it's possible that and likely that here in Crete that there was a problem with wine, with getting drunk and people coming out of this culture um, are struggling with that, and he's wanting people to walk in holiness and to say, you're Christians now. You're walking different because of what Jesus did for you. He saved you. We're walking by faith in him, and through his spirit, he'll help you. And that's the encouragement I would give to you if, if you're lacking self-control in any area. Look to the Lord, and he'll help you. Um, lean on him. He's able. So if you want more on that, we, we had a whole message on it. You could go back and listen to that. All right, next thing. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women. Let's pause right there. Teach what is good. Now, I'm going to do a little inferring here from this and say that one of the things this means is that you need to be, that women and men, but specifically here it's talking about women, need to be people of the word, need to know the Bible. That you can't teach what is good, which I, I think is talking about the Bible, about what God has taught us, without knowing the Bible yourself. And so men and women, but specifically here we're kind of hitting um, the women section, we need to know the Bible. We need to read the Bible. Is this something you're serious about? Can you pass on what you know? Um, for that to happen, you have to know the Bible. You have to know God's Word. You have to be studying it, thinking about it, meditating on it. I want you to think about some of these verses from other places, Psalm 119 says, The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Your hands have made and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. The Bible is so valuable. It's so amazing that we have a Bible. We have it freely. We don't have to hide it. We can read it. We have the entire Bible, which is really amazing. For a lot of history, people had just little pieces of the Bible. Uh, just the Psalms for a, lo a long time. People could only get the Psalms or there was a, a Bible chained up at the front of the church because it was so valuable that they left it there. They actually chained it up so it wouldn't get stolen and then people could come and read it, but people didn't have their own Bible. It's amazing that we've got our own Bible and for many of us, many Bibles. Praise the Lord that we can read the Bible. It's more precious than thousands of gold and silver pieces. You know, And so I would just encourage us to remember it 
just partly one of the things that can help us in this walk and knowing the word is just remembering the value, how valuable this is that God talks to us through his word. He's given us so much. God Almighty has said, spoken to us, and we have it, and we can read it daily. Praise the Lord. You know, many, many times I wish God would speak more. You know, it's like, God, just tell me what to do here. And yet, it's like, look, we've got so much from God. Don't want to ne- neglect what we do have. We want to, we want to read and learn as best we can. The, the best book there is, the Bible, God's Word. It's totally different than any other book inspired by, an, by Almighty God for you, for your good, for us as a church, uh, the universal church. Praise the Lord. It's a wonderful thing. It's worth more than thousands of gold and silver pieces. I mean, just think about, I've used this story before, but there's this video that I saw, and I, it would have been good to get it, but I, I couldn't find it. Um, and I, I don't even remember where it was from, but basically what it was was, it was a closed country, I think it might have been China, somewhere in Asia, that didn't have Bibles, and they passed out to Christians, a room full of Christians, their Bible. And it was just, it was moving. It was like, everyone was silent and just looking down at the Bible. It was, it was just reverence, and I can't even really describe it to you, but it was just so clear. This, it meant so much to them that they had a Bible of their own, and it was unreal. And it just made me realize, wow, what a blessing that we wake up with this, this book, you know, that we can have access to it and we can read it and we can learn and we can memorize. And think about, you know, another couple of examples would be things like the, time, the people in modern day, like uh, Darlene Rose or um, Corey Tim Boom when they went into the concentration camps, you know, how valuable it was that they had memorized scripture. And that they they knew it um, because it's not guaranteed that they're going to have a Bible. And praise the Lord for those two ladies. I mean, it seemed clear that they thought it was important. And um, I know at certain times didn't have a Bible. And so praise the Lord that that they saw it as valuable beforehand enough to memorize it and have it there with them in the most difficult of times. The Bible, God's Word is precious, and so we want to know it. We want to learn it. We want to read it. It's more precious than thousands of gold and silver pieces. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Do we treat it like that? You know, we might say it this way. If I, if I told you this, I'm going to pay you a thousand bucks for every Bible verse you memorize this year, how many could you do? Probably a lot. <laughs> right? I mean, couldn't you do a hundred? <laughs> that would be kind of nice, wouldn't it? But the reality is the Bible is worth more than that, right? The, the Bible is actually more valuable than that. And praise the Lord. We've got the opportunity to know it, to read it, to memorize it. And especially when you're young, it's good. <laughs> Seems a lot easier when you're young. Uh, but even if you're not, it's important. Let's read some other verses here. Just I want to hit emphasize this. All of us, for all of us, men and women, we want to be people of the word. Psalm 119 again. Your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. Just 
The psalmist here loves God's word. He wants to know it. He talks about how wonderful it is. I want more. I want to know more. I want to follow what you've said in your word, and that's the attitude we want to have. Psalm 119 again. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? We could put young woman for sure in there too. By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. You know, a big piece of this whole section that is we want to know the, we want to know the word. We want to be people of the word. There's a lot of these things that are just impossible for us unless we know the Bible. We can't teach others. Um, we couldn't even really know what God wants from us unless we are studying the Bible. Uh, even think about, we're going to hit love. We already talked about it, but we'll hit it again when it, next week when we get to young women. But what does it mean to love? Well, we need to know the Bible, <laughs> right? Not just say love and whatever you know our culture says love is. Just do that, try and imitate that. No, we, want, we actually need to know what real love is, and so we've got to know the Bible. <laughs> to really love our kids, to really love our, our family, we're going to have to know the Bible. Um, there's so many things. And so I would just encourage you, men and women, just think and pray about the blessing and the value you have sitting right in your lap. Imagine yourself, you know. Imagine today, just imagine today, we went from an open country to a closed country, and our Bibles were uh, maybe on the list to be confiscated. How would you feel then, you know? Uh, what an amazing thing. We could go on and on all day, all day just about this. There's an amazing story that I read about a guy in China who wanted a Bible, and he he didn't have one, and he heard about a guy in another city that had one. So he went over there and he said, I heard you got a Bible. I'd really like to just copy your Bible. And the guy's like, no, I'm not going to give it to you. And he's like, it's too dangerous, and I don't know if I trust you. And um, so he, he leaves, and he walks ever. I think it was a couple of days back to wherever he was. And he just kept going and going and going to that guy who he knew had a Bible somewhere and just asking him, please, I really just want to copy your Bible. And the guy kept saying, no, I don't think, I, I don't, I don't know, I, I'm not sure. And he was just desperate to get this Bible. And he was trying to just, all the ways he could, show this guy he was serious and he, he really needed the Word of God. It's pretty amazing. And just another illustration of what a, blessing we have that often we take for granted the word of God in our own language to study and to dig in and to know praise the Lord even just that we can read that's also an amazing piece of this is you know 99% of people in America can read the Bible what a blessing a couple more things here just again I think this is where we'll end this will be the last thing we talk about today is just Knowing the word, and then next week we'll pick up with teaching the word. But okay, think about this commandment here from Jesus. And Jesus came and said to them, "All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Listen to this: teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age." You know, here specifically it's talking about women teaching, older women teaching younger women. This command from Jesus surely applies to that, but even more broadly, he's talking about we're supposed to make disciples. How does that, how do we do that? Well, he says one of the things is we have to teach all that he commanded. Teaching new Christians, 
um, how to obey, which means what has Jesus commanded? Well, we have to study for ourselves and know for ourselves. So for us to be able to teach, you can't teach something you don't know. And that means know your word, know the scripture, read the scripture, study it, and be trying to obey it yourself. So that way, when the time comes, you can teach. Teach your kids. Teach someone you share the gospel with. I just want to encourage the ladies here, just some other verses that give an example of this. Think about Timothy. This is from 2 Timothy 1. He says, as I rem- this Paul, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith and the faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. Here's Timothy, who's been taught by his mom and by his grandma the word. And now he's an encouragement to Paul. He knows the word. He's following in, in his uh, mother and grandmother's footsteps. Praise the Lord for that. I'm thankful that they took it seriously, that they knew the word and they were following it, that they could teach their kids. What a blessing. What an encouragement to you moms um, and ladies, grandmothers. He says a similar thing to men in Second Timothy. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. I want you to notice in both those sections there's more than just one generation there. The grandmother taught the mother who taught the grandson, Timothy. And here in, when he's talking to Timothy specifically, he says, teach what he's learned from, from Paul. Entrust it to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So there's Paul, taught Timothy, teaching others, who will teach others. That's four generations. Think about that. It's not just you. It's not just your kids. It's your grandkids and your grandkids' kids. It's four generations that, that can be directly affected, just like it says in this verse. It's pretty amazing. It's a lasting impact, and we want to take it seriously, and we want to be thankful. We want to find joy in what God has given us in his word. So I think that is probably a good place to stop for today. But I'll just end by encouraging you with this, that any area we fall short, we're looking to Christ. We're looking for help in the area of our speech. We're looking for help not to slander, not to gossip. We're looking for help to be holy. We're looking for help as we study the word and know the word so that won't that way we can all, when the time comes, be teachers of the word where God has placed us. And so, looking to Christ, thankful for grace, and looking to him for help because of what he's done and who he is through his blood, through his spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. I pray that it would be real to us, that you would help us to just be thankful and to really study and know your word that we can be faithful where you placed us as parents, grandparents. We need help, and we're looking to you. I uh, pray that this wouldn't just be um, just words, uh, but that you would actually make it real in our hearts, that we could be filled with thanksgiving, um, that we could, we would really love your word, and we could say, uh, with the psalmist, that it's more precious than gold to us. We do pray.
for the people in close countries. We don't want them just to be examples for, from sermons, but they're real people and they're your real children. And we just pray you'd have mercy on them. People that don't have Bibles, Christians that don't have Bibles, pray you'd give them Bibles. Um, if there's anything you want us to do in that, in that area, show us. Um, give us an opportunity to help get Bibles uh, to people who don't have them. I pray for China. I pray for um, other close countries, Iran, and many, many others. We just pray, have mercy there. Pray you'd open doors to get Bibles through, uh, both to Christians and non-Christians. We're thankful, God, for your word. Thank you for the translators that worked hard to get this into English for us. Uh, thank you for the men that died. Um, just standing up and saying we need the Bible in our own language and not just yeah, um, in the original languages. Thank you for them. Thank you for um, Wycliffe and some of the others. Just have mercy there. Um, thank you for them. Um, I'm sure there's other martyrs even today smuggling Bibles, so we just pray for them. Be near to them. Um, protect their lives. And uh, if they give their lives for you and just for the sake of getting Bibles, I pray that you just uh, be with them in the midst of that difficulty. Uh, um, have mercy there. Thank you for our church. Thank you that we're able to gather together. I do pray you'd help us to be people of the word. I pray you'd protect us from slander and gossip, and I pray you'd help us to keep one another accountable in that area. We ask these things in your name. Amen.